Amen. Thank you, Brother West. All right, if you turn to your Bible in the Second Timothy chapter three, and let's just look at some of the things in here this morning, and just let me get set up here. All right. Now, Second Timothy was written by Paul to his disciple, uh, to to Timothy, and he was trying to teach Timothy some things. And he was kind of concerned uh, because if you look at chapter four, Paul says, hey, you know, I'm about ready to die. You know, he, he was about ready to go off the scene and he wanted to make sure that Timothy carried on the things that he had learned from Paul. And so but chapter three is a specific chapter that I'd like to focus on. And um, let me get my notes here. Uh, the title of my sermon is obviously the, the first verse of that. Uh, determines the title, and the title is Perilous Times Shall Come, from Second uh, Timothy chapter 3. Perilous Times Shall Come. Now, I want you to notice something. If you look at verse number 1 in there, it says, This know also. This know. Okay? Paul wanted Timothy to know some things about the last days. Perilous times shall come, he told Timothy. And you know what? We can learn some things from what Paul was telling to Timothy. This is all God's word. All scripture is profitable. Okay. And what we're going to look at this morning is the things that Paul warned Timothy about. And we need to be warned even more so. Now, Timothy, uh, you know, was warned by Paul, but also this is even more important for you and I because we're living in the last days, believe it or not. We are. We're in the last days. We're just about ready to go into what the Bible calls the tribulation period, which is a very a time of trouble here on earth, especially for believers. And I believe that we're very, very close to that, that time happening. Uh, the the seven-year period where uh, is the, uh, the final seven weeks, uh, and then the first three and a half weeks, or the first three and a half years, we're going to be persecuted. That's called the tribulation period. And after that, we'll get raptured out of here. Okay? But this is important for us to understand these things. So that's what God says here. This, no. God wants us to know some things. Okay? That's why this chapter is very important for us, especially, not just for Timothy, but now that we're entering into the last days and they're coming closer and closer, we need to look at these things and be prepared for some of these things. Okay? God wants us to know these things. Now, why do we need to be warned on some of these things? Why, why do we need to be warned? Okay? Well, let me just read to you. Uh, Jesus warned us of the last days also, by the way. This is not just Paul telling to Timothy and, and about the last days. Jesus warned of some things like this. In John chapter 16, in verse 1 through 4, John chapter 16, here's what Jesus said. He said, These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. For they shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And because, this, because these things they will do unto you, because, uh, excuse me, and these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I, say un, I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. So at the beginning of that, in, in, in John 16, in verse 1, it says, These things have I spoken unto you, that you should not be offended. So Paul is teaching Timothy some things. He says, This no, Timothy. I don't want you to get offended when things like this happened. Okay, when things like this happen. Jesus said the same thing. I don't want you to be offended. They're going to persecute you. I don't want you to be offended. 
So you've got to listen to some things. Now, some of these things are rather negative things this morning I'm going to talk about. They're bad things. They're things that are going to happen to you and me. But there's good news, okay? That the good news is that we can be warned in advance of these things, and we can prepare for them, and we cannot be offended when things like this happen. Okay, it's very important. Why do we need to know this? So we won't be offended, okay? We need to know these things, number two, also because we can be negatively influenced by these type of sins that are listed in this chapter that are going to be prevalent and they're going to be greatly increasing as we move towards the tribulation period, okay? So number one, why do we need to know these things in this chapter? So we won't be offended. So we won't give up. So we won't just say, hey... I'm going to chuck the whole thing because of all this stuff happening. Okay? No, 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 no. God doesn't want you to be offended at these things. Be careful and then also watch these things as they happen and be careful that they don't affect you also. Many of these things are going to be things that non-Christians do, unsaved people do, but we're amongst them in the world. We're still here on earth. And we could be influenced negatively by these things. So it's important that we know these things. Okay, well, let's look at the chapter here, okay? This know in the last days, perilous times shall come. Hey, you know, Lot had some things. The, the Bible speaks about the end times and says that Lot, uh, that it's going to be a lot like Sodom and Gomorrah was. A wicked, wicked place where all kinds of immorality was going on. And, and all kinds of wickedness and sodomy and things like that were going on. You know what? Um, here, Second Peter, you don't need to turn to it, but Second Peter chapter 2, verses 6 and 8. 2 Peter chapter 2 says, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them, they're talking about what God did, He condemned them with an overflow, making them an example unto us that we should live, that, uh, that well, I'm sorry, making them an example unto those that should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. See, there's a temptation in the last days that we might get vexed just like Lot did. He saw all these wicked things happening. And we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful. Because the times that are coming are going to be extremely perilous. Extremely perilous. Okay? Now, you know, it says it he delivered... He delivered just Lot. That doesn't mean only Lot. It means just. He was just. A just person. He was justified. He was righteous. Okay? So we're talking about Christians being vexed by what's going on in the world during the last days. And be careful because if you don't consider these things, you'll be offended and you'll not want to do what you should be doing during the last days. Okay? It's very important for us to follow and watch what's going on in the last days and be very careful. Don't get vexed like Lot did. Lot was so vexed that when he told his family, you know, hey, we need to get out of here. The city's going to be destroyed. They treated him like he was, they were, he was an idiot. He was a mocking. Because he didn't have the testimony. Okay? He didn't have enough of a testimony with his daughter's uh, boyfriends, or I don't know if they were married or whatever. He didn't have enough testimony to even cause them to take him seriously. Okay? We don't want that to happen to us. We don't want to be so vexed with what's going on in the last days that it ruins our ability to witness to other people because we just give up on everything because of all the wickedness that's happened. Be careful. Don't be vexed. Don't be vexed. 
Perilous times shall come, but you need to be prepared for them. Okay, what does the word perilous mean? Okay, well, according to the dictionary, perilous means dangerous, hazardous, hazardous, and full of risk. So we're going to be going into a period that's dangerous, number one. And I believe it can be physically dangerous also. And hazardous. And full of risk. Careful, that's the type of period we're going to be going into. A lot of danger, a lot of hazard, a lot of risk. But like anything else, a businessman will tell you, you know, Eric, you know this, okay? No risk, no what? No reward, right. No risk, no reward. If you're not willing to take a risk, you're not going to get rewarded. You know, when you started up your business, you know, uh, it was a great risk, <laughs> an extreme risk. You were risking basically everything you owned and your entire family getting involved with it. And it was very difficult for you to start that business. Very risky, very scary, very, I'm sure there were times, and maybe even so now, <laughs> there's times that you were, man, I hope we make it. It's scary to launch out on your own and risk a business and risk starting a business. But you know what? If you don't do that, there's no reward, Right. With risk comes opportunity. Risk brings reward. If you're willing to go through the risk and put in the work and do what needs to get done, there can be great reward. Hey, you know, they say it in sports. No pain, no what? No gain. Right. Okay. No pain, no gain. Hey, perilous times are coming, but it gives you an opportunity. Okay. It gives you an opportunity. Well, let's look at these things. Let's look at what's going on. Okay. And in verse 2. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. Men shall be lovers of their, of their own selves. Hey, we're living in a day right now where men are lovers of their own selves. It's, you know, all these things that are listed here really stem from this particular sin right here. Men will be lovers of, them, of, them own, of their own selves. People are selfish. They don't care about other people. They don't care about the people around them or how they affect the people around them. They care about what's number one. Take care of number one, they tell you. You've got to take care of yourself, they say. Okay, but wait a second. Men shall be lovers of their own self. It's the me generation, right? It's all about me. They're looking for ways to bring advantage to themselves. They're selfish. That's what that's where all these sins stem from is being selfish and self-centered. Okay, now. But are we supposed to love ourselves? The Bible, you know, I've heard this said before in schools and seminars, and they always say this. They say, well, you've got to learn to love yourself before you can love other people. Okay. You know what? I want to slap them in the face. No, that's wrong. You, the way up is down. You've got to put yourself down before you can get up. Okay. You don't, you don't have to love yourself before you can love other people. No, no, no. You're focusing on the wrong thing. You're focusing on yourself first. You need to focus on others first. Okay? And the Bible says that in, in, in Deuteronomy, it says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Did it say, Thou shalt love thyself with all thine heart? No. That's the lie of the devil when they say you've got to love yourself first. You need to love God first. Okay, that's what the Bible says. And that's the sin that people are doing right today. They are lovers of their own selves. They need to love God first. Now, not only do they have that sin, meaning unsaved people, but you know what? That can affect us too. It really can. Because we need to, we need to get in this book. We need, to, we need to learn to love God. We need to love what God loves. We need to... Do what God wants us to do. And we need to put Him first in everything. Okay? And we're influenced by these things. The more it happens in the end times, the more we're going to be 
tempted to love ourselves instead of love God. It's, it's real simple, but it's a bad sin. And it's, from, it's the sin by which all these other sins that are listed coming up in this chapter stem from. Be careful, be careful. Hey, what about selfies? You know, you know, people, you know, like, dude, you know, holding it, you know, ah, yeah, what about me, me, me? You know, hey, we live in the selfie generation. What in the world? If, if that's not indi- indicative of a generation that's stuck on themselves, I don't know what is. Listen, selfies are ridiculous. You know, if you do that a lot, I mean, you know, you once or twice, yeah, yeah I understand that. But if you're sending out, if you're sending, sending out uh, selfies of yourself every day, three times a day, there's something wrong, okay? Get, get yourself focused on God, not yourself, okay? Selfies are ridiculous, okay? I'm sorry. Don't get me started. Okay. Verse 2, look at verse 2. What's the next one? Covetous. What's covetous mean? It means excessively eager to obtain and to possess monies or good. Excessively eager to obtain or possess monies or good. Covetous. Well, hey, come on. That's all that this society today talks about. Yeah, hey, do this and you can get a, buy a new boat or you know, buy a new video game. Or, you know, it's always focused. And Madison Avenue focuses entirely on getting you to want to obtain and possess money or goods. It's constant, all the time, 24-7, wherever you do, the radio, the television. It's all ad-based. It's all advertising-based. Want, they want you to be covetous. In other words, ooh, that looks like a nice boat over there at the boat show. That, you know, man, I'd like to have that. But you don't have it. Oh, that's a cool video game. Man, oh man, I wrote that. Man, I'd love to have that. But you don't have it. You're covetous, okay? You want it, okay? Now, it's not necessarily wrong. All these things really are a perversion of some good trait, all right? It's not wrong to want some things sometimes, but when you focus entirely on, on being covetous, on excessive, eager to obtain and to possess money or goods, when it becomes obsessive, that's the problem, okay? Be careful. Watch it. You're on the wrong road if you go that way. Okay, now, verse 3, let's look at that. Boasters. Boasters in verse 3. What's a boaster? Someone who would indulge in self-praise or a lot of bragging, right? A boaster. Hey, you know what? Our modern-day politicians, they're nothing but a bunch of boasters, aren't they? Hey, they tell us, you know, hey, what great things they've done for us, right? Hey, vote for me and I'll do thus and so. You know what? I could do this. Look at my record. I did this. I did that. My opponent, he's a worthless scumbag. You know what? You need to vote for me because I'm the greatest here. I'm, I'm boasting, right? Okay, that's the modern day politicians. Every one of them is like that. And we got a president like that too, by the way. Okay? we got Donald Trump in there bragging. I mean, every time you see the guy, he's bragging on something. He's a boaster in chief. Okay? So, hey, if our leaders are like that, what more are the followers going to be like? Okay? Our entire nation is, is, is focused on boasting as far as the politics are concerned. Okay? Verse 2. Look at verse 2. The next one. The word proud. The word proud. The definition of proud is inordinate self-esteem. self-esteem or uh, too much self-esteem. You think too highly of yourselves. Well, again, this stems from the selfishness thing. Okay? You, you're proud. The world is full of proud people. In business, politics, even in pulpits, by the way. Don't get me, don't get me started, but, you know, hey, the, the, 
pride and being proud is, 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 is very bad. Okay? This gay pride stuff, okay, that they're proud of coming out of the closet, that's straight out of hell. It's straight out of hell. That gay pride movement. You know what? God's penalty for that sort of thing, God's penalty, you want to know what God's penalty is? Turn in your Bible to Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 20. Look at this. Okay? This is so far from what your public schools teach and what the media teaches and what everybody on the face of the earth and and on television and radio teach and preach. It's so far from that. Why is it so far from that? Because God is higher than our ways. God's ways are higher than our ways. We think, oh, you know what? That sodomite, sissy, down at the restaurant, you know, whatever. He's not all that bad. He's just goofy. You know, he's just weird. Well, I agree, he's goofy and weird, but God sees him as a reprobate. God sees homosexuals as reprobates, and here's God's penalty. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13. This isn't me saying it. This isn't me quoting some television evangelist or anything. This is from God's Word, what God says regarding these type of people. We're going to be surrounded with these type of people the closer we get to the end times. And man, in my lifetime, I've never seen as much sodomy and homosexuality and queer lifestyles pushed down our throats as that which we've got in the last few years. It's, in my lifetime, it's gone crazy. Even in the last two years, it's gone crazy. The increase of all the stuff on television that people are saying about that they try to normalize homosexuality. They try to make it normal. Okay? It's not normal. You know what? God takes it very seriously in the book of Leviticus. Look at Leviticus 20.13. And here's the quote. Here's what God says. If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall be surely put to death. Their blood shall be, ab- shall be upon them. Okay, what's God say? God says, if you lie with a woman, or with a man, as you do with a woman, homosexuality, you've committed an abomination. That's an unforgivable offense against God. Okay? God says, that's an abomination It makes me sick. And God says, you deserve to die if that's the sin that you're committing. That seems harsh. You know, my last name is Harshman. That sounds like something I would say. All right? God says, that's what needs to happen to these people. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't misquote me. I don't think Christians should go around killing sodomites. Okay? That's not our job. The Bible set up government to do these types of things, and it's the government's duty to carry out the, the laws of the land. But you know what? They're not doing it here in the U.S. They're not only telling you that sodomites don't deserve death. They're saying that they need to be praised and lifted up as an example in our public schools even. That's crazy. That's insane. That's against God. That is not right. It's crazy. Public schools teaching that homosexuality is just another lifestyle choice or a boy named Johnny can self-identify himself into another gender and call himself Judy and then enter into the girl's bathroom at school. That's wicked and it's perverted. It's insane what's going on in our public schools. And you know what makes me mad? Our tax dollars are paying to support that, too. 
This is happening. This isn't somewhere in Chicago or L.A. or New York City. It's happening here. It's happening in the town that I live, Dixon, Illinois, and Sterling, Illinois, right over here. They're teaching our children in these public schools that homosexuality is normal and that you should accept it as normal. And if you don't, you're a hate monger. That's what they're teaching our kids. You get Kids, if you're in a public school, be careful. If you're in a public school, man, you need to stand by the Bible as much as possible. You need to go to church every time the doors are open. You need to, you need to win souls. You need to tell your classmates about Jesus. Don't listen to the people that tell you that there's no God. Don't listen to the people in that public school that tell you that this Bible is a lie. It's not a lie. It's the truth. The truth. The truth shall make you free. Jesus is the truth. These homosexualities things that's going on in public schools, it's absolutely sickening. It's of the devil. Okay? Watch it, kids. Watch it. Kids, God's expecting you to make a stand. When that teacher in that class gets up and says, okay, homosexuality is just another choice. It's just another lifestyle. What's to stop you from getting up and saying, "Uh, excuse me, the Bible says it's a sin and it's evil and it's wrong. What would happen if you did that in your class? I'm not saying you should be rebellious to your teachers. But when they're putting something down as, and telling the kids that it's evil, or I mean it's normal to have, to have homosexuality, and they're teaching that in the class, man, I don't know if I, I could stay in a class like that. If I were a kid, I would say something. If they kicked me out of school, I'd say, okay. At least I'm not going to listen to a bunch of lies that teachers are telling. These students. It's crazy. Verse number two, blasphemous. Blasphemous. The blasphemy is to speak evil of God, basically. You're telling God that you know, you're, you're speaking evil of God. Angrily saying, if there's a God, why is he allowing all the evil to go on in the world? I've heard that people say that, you know, when you're out soul winning. People say that. You know, well, if there's a God, why does he allow wars? And why does he allow child abuse? And why does he allow all this and all that? These people don't understand. They don't understand. It's not God's fault for sin in the world. That's man's sin upon man. Man causes war. Man causes child abuse. Man causes all these bad things. It's not God's fault. And the first thing that people are going to be doing during the tribulation period, they're going to be blaming God. They're going to be blaming God. Nope. It's not God's fault. It's mankind's fault. It's our fault. There's none righteous. No, not one. There's only one righteous, and that's God. Number two, verse, uh, let's see here, verse two rather. Disobedient to parents, okay? Disobedient to parents. We're going to see a lot of that coming on, okay? And we already see it. I want to give one example of, I wish, I wish this were the case in many homes, but it's not. But Chloe, as an example, okay? Uh, this was probably Wednesday night. Um, I, I noticed Pastor Tommy uh, they were cleaning up in the basement, doing some things in the basement. Maybe this was last Sunday. They were cleaning up, doing some things, and Pastor Tommy said, Hey, Chloe, go downstairs and help your mom clean up. And immediately said, Yes, sir. Boom. And she goes downstairs. Just like that. Yes, sir. And she immediately obeys. Not even a second thought. Immediate obedience. That, that's impressive. That really is. It happened again today. It happened again today. Cassandra, her mom. Said the same thing. Uh, what did you tell her to do? I, what was it to, oh, yeah, get a knife to cut the Rice Krispies treats, okay? 
boom, immediately. Okay, or yes, sir, yes, ma'am. And immediately she did it. Would to God that we had kids like that today. You know why she's that way? She's living in a Christian home where the parents follow this book. Disobedient to parents. It's crazy. It's going to happen more and more and more as we move into these last days. We need more kids like Chloe obeying a mom and dad that care about God's things. And they care and love their children and want to raise their kids right. Disobedient to parents. It's going to happen. Watch yourself. Don't be offended when all this stuff happens. And be careful that it doesn't happen to you or your kids. Okay? Verse number two. Unthankful. Unthankful. That's another attribute of the end times things. People that are unthankful. The entitlement generation. I have a right to it. I have a right to it. When given a gift, they don't appreciate it. There's no sincere heartfelt thanks at all. You know, one of the things my wife and I, fortunately, we were both brought up to be relatively thankful when someone gives you something. You know, it's not like, oh, okay, thanks. You know, it's not just a, you know, slight thing. You, you be sincere in your thanks. You're thankful if somebody gives you a gift. But in the last days, people are going to be unthankful. Unthankful. Be careful. Hey, when somebody does something for you, you know what? If they give you something, you know what? You, you know, we gave a small gift to Cassandra and her, and her husband one time, and, and, and they sent a nice thank you note. And they were very appreciative. You know what? We need to do that, okay? If somebody gives you something or does a favor for you, does thank them at least verbally. You know, and if it's something bigger, you know, send them a card of thanks or something. Be thankful for that which you're given and thankful for people that help you, okay? Be careful. You're going to be tempted. That's the way it's going to be in the last days. Everybody's going to be unthankful, but not you if you stay by this book and what this book says. Don't be unthankful, okay? Verse number two again, unholy. And I've got to go quick through this. Unholy. Definition of unholy, a lack of moral character, disobedient to God's laws. Lack of moral character and disobedience to God's laws. People are unholy. Is it any wonder? We've taken the Ten Commandments out of our public spaces. You can't put them up in the public schools. We've taken the Bible out of the public schools. Taught the kids that the Bible isn't real. Is it any wonder that people are unholy? No, it's not. It was, it's been planned. The devil's planned all this stuff. Watch out. 1970s in Dixon High School, where I grew up. You, you know, we had a class on the King James Bible in a public high school in Dixon when I went there. We had a class in the King James Bible. No way that happened today. No way that happened today. It just wouldn't happen. Steve, when you and I were out witnessing the Dixon, in Dixon, there were, you know, kids are coming out of school and we're passing out tracks. This was, was this last summer? I think it was last summer. You remember that? This past summer. And people, a lot, we had a lot of kids get saved. And it was awesome. And they, they really listened to us. These kids, they, they're open to the gospel. They really are. And we went out there and we were witnessing. And then all of a sudden, out comes Mr. Principal. Okay? And sure enough, he was too scared to come by himself. So out comes Mr. Vice Principal too. Uh, what are you guys doing? Well, we're spreading the gospel. You know, we're handing out tracts. We're inviting folks to church. But all, more importantly, we're telling them how to know for sure to go into heaven. And he goes, well, what are you telling them? He says, he says our kids are coming back and saying they're scared of you. They're not sure what you're doing. They're, they're scared. He says, you shouldn't be out here scaring kids. It's illegal for you to be here. 
Okay, we were, we were not on the public school grounds. We were on the sidewalk, on the street, on public area. We made very, very sure that we did not go into school property. But, you know, back in the day, in 1970, they took this book and had classes in it. And today, the principal of that school and the vice principal came out and harassed us and told us they're going to call the cops on us because we're preaching the gospel to public high school kids where they teach that homosexuality is okay. And we didn't talk to them about that. We went through the whole plan of salvation right there with them. Here's what we're telling them, sir, that we're, you're a sinner. We need, you know, sinners deserve hell, but Jesus paid the price for your sin. And you need to accept it as a free gift. We were telling them that. We went through the whole plan of salvation with the vice principal and the principal. Well, yeah, but you're scaring the kids. You're scaring the kids. And you're not supposed to be here. We've called the police already. They were probably lying. They never called the police. I, I looked it up and later on and found out that it was totally legal for us to be there. They have a rule about being uh, in, in, in the state of Illinois about being so many feet from, uh, from away from a school and things like that that you can't be there. But they have a religious exemption in there. They have a religious exemption. It doesn't apply for religious purposes. So we can be there. We have every right to be there, even under their laws. But even if their law says that we shouldn't be there, the Bible says go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. God's the one that gives us our right to do that. Not the government, not the school, not the vice principal, not the principal. Jesus Christ told us to go into all the world. And we were there because God commanded us to be there. It was serious business. Those guys don't care where those kids spend eternity. They have no. They don't care. They're there for a paycheck. The love of money is the root of all evil. That's why they're there. But that's the end times we're living in. Principals, the people that are supposed to lead those kids in high school, don't want them to even hear the gospel of Jesus Christ anymore. They'd rather teach about homosexuality in their schools. Well, doesn't that tell you something right there? There's a problem. There's a problem. Okay, that's everyone's being unholy. Verse number three, without natural affection, without natural affection. Again, natural affection. Husband and wives, you should be naturally affectionate toward one another, right? But people are perverting that. that. No longer are husbands and wives have a natural affection. It's a husband that has, a, that has an affection towards Tommy or, or Harold or whatever. It's homosexuality replacing what should be natural. They're doing that which is against nature. Okay? Without natural affection. Parents and child. Okay? Well, hey, the parents should love their child. That's natural. You, I mean, look at her sitting there holding, holding uh, her daughter there. She has natural affection toward her daughter. Right? We live in a day today where that doesn't even exist hardly. Why you say, well, how do you know that? How do you know that? Well, look at the abortion numbers. How can a mother kill her own child? Look at this. The, the abortion numbers. Here's, here's what they are. In the U.S., since 1970, 44 million babies have been killed in the U.S. alone. 44 million. You think the so-called Holocaust was bad? And we won't go into that. <sighs> Another sermon. But 44 million since 1970s have been killed. Babies. Lives. Kids that were alive in the womb have been murdered. Butchered. That's evil. It's sinful. And it's increasing. It's increasing. That's over one half million babies killed per year. That means that in the hour or so that I'm up here preaching, 74 babies are going to die. 74. 
How in the world can God bless a nation where 74 babies are dying every hour? And we're the ones causing it. That type of thing will not be allowed to go on for very long. And that's why Jesus is going to come back pretty soon. He's going to put a stop to it. But be careful. Be careful. Don't be affected by these things. This philosophy. It's the me first thing. Mama's worried about her career. Thinks the baby will, you know, interrupt her career. Or interrupt her social life. Or whatever. It's a selfish thing. Brothers and sisters... You should have natural affection towards your brothers and sisters, too. You know what? Don't, don't shy away from them. You know, love your brothers and sisters, too. Have a natural affection. The, the affection that God gave everybody, between a man and a woman, between the parent and the child, between your siblings, between your friends, things like that. Don't do what these people are doing. You have natural affection. You love those people. You love your friends. You love your family members. Be careful. Okay, number, uh, verse number three, truth breakers. Real quick. Truth breakers. The definition of a truce is an agreement to cease hostilities. An agreement to cease hostilities. Our government these days is quick to go to war. Too quick to go to war. They're truth breakers. They're truth breakers. They don't want peace. They want war. When 9-11 happened, what did they do? They disregarded the Constitution, which is the truce that we had with government. That's what the Constitution was. It was an agreement between government and the people. And mostly it was a constriction of what the government could do to the people. Okay? What they did, that was the truce that we had. That, you know, you have religion of, freedom of religion, freedom of the press, freedom of speech, freedom to keep and bear arms. Men, are you a man? Where's your gun? Okay, I'm just saying. You don't got a gun? How about a knife? You know? How are you going to protect your family? You going to when five guys come to your house? You going to do that with a with a with a little with a little uh, you know Swiss Army knife? No, you have to have proper tools. Hey, that Constitution was made to protect those freedoms, to protect your ability. To defend your family, to have the freedom of speech, freedom of religion, things like that. The government has broken those truths. 9-11 happened, boom. They didn't let a good crisis go to waste, so what they do? They created the Patriot Act, which takes away freedoms from Americans. All right? They're truth breakers. They don't care about the Constitution, that truce between man and government. Okay, they don't care about that. Be careful. Be careful. Hey, if you don't exercise your rights, you're going to lose your rights. I'm telling you. If you don't exercise your freedom of religion and your freedom of speech and tell others about Jesus Christ, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. And during the tribulation, that's what's going to happen. We're going to lose it. And you're going to have to decide, is it better to obey God or man? You're going to have to make that decision if you live long enough to make it into that time. Okay? Truce breakers. They're truce breakers. The Constitution protects our God-given rights, but the politicians have broken those, broken those truces. Number three, false accusers. False accusers. Those who are willing to tell a lie and deceive in order to attack their enemies. Man, we've seen a lot of that going on lately. False accusers. Don't be a false accuser. Okay? If you don't know for sure what happened, don't even insinuate that someone did something unless you know for sure. Don't be a false accuser. Okay? Number three, incontinent. What's the definition of incontinent? Unrestrained passions or appetite. Unrestrained passions or appetites. Okay, if it feels good, do it. That was the big theme in the 1960s when that 
you know, revolution, so-called, happened. Okay? The, the hippie generation. If it feels good, do it. Or, you know, if it feels good, it must be right. No, I'm sorry. You can enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. But sin does have pleasures for a season. But there are consequences. God will judge sin. He will do it. If it feels good, do it. That's a lie of the devil. Number three, fierce. The word fierce, number three. Okay, verse three, rather. I'm sorry. Fierce. What's fierce? Wild, violent, savage, or easily enraged. Fierce, easily enraged. Come on. How many, how many people have seen somebody go nuts with a road rage situation? Okay? Some guy cuts them off and they're like, you dirty, rotten, blackguard, you know, giving them every finger under the sun or whatever, you know. And, and, and they throw a fit. Road rage. People are just quick to go into a fit of rage these days. Don't you be like that also. Don't be affected. Don't be vexed by these things. Don't you be tempted to fly off at the handle and throw a fit. You know, I know I'm kind of throwing a fit up here, but, you know, I'm just preaching. You know, I'm not like this in real life. <laughs> okay. All right. But, yeah, be tempted. When you're talking to one-on-one individuals, you should not be throwing a fit with them. Okay? Give people, show some grace. Show some kindness. In the end times, people won't. They're going to be fierce. Number th- uh, verse number three again. Despisers of those that are good. Despisers, in verse number three. Despisers of those that are good. Perilous times shall come. Hey, in the end times, people are going to despise people that are good. Outright hatred of Christians. Outright hatred. Spewing hatred. We see this massively increasing in our day and time. It will result eventually in the tribulation period. And eventually, the government itself will demonize anyone that preaches the the truth of the scriptures. The government's going to demonize it. These are people that spew out venomous hatred and portray Christians as haters or hate mongers. And they call Bible-believing churches hate groups. You know what? We've even had somebody say that this church is a hate group. Why? Because our pastor preaches the Word of God and says what God says and preaches what God says. And he's not afraid to stand up and say, hey, thus saith the Lord. Thank God we got a pastor like that. He's not afraid. He's not afraid because God, he knows that he's preaching what God says you should preach. In the end times, people are going to hate us for that. They're going to hate us. They're going to call us a hate group because we preach what the Bible says about the sodomites, about holy living, and even the plan of salvation. They don't like that. The plan where we say Jesus is the only way to heaven. How dare you say Jesus is the only way to heaven? What about the Muslims? What about the Hindus? What about the, what about the other religions in the world? All oh, those are going to hell and you say your way is the only way? No, that's not what we said and we've never said that. We've said that God's way is the only way. Okay, but these people see that as hatred of anyone that's not like you. Okay? They are going to hate Christians. That's going to, man, watch this, watch this trend right here. Watch this trend. Because this trend is happening at an exponential scale today. Hatred of Christians. An outright demonization of Christians. Calling us hate groups and hate mongers. When actually it's them that hate people because they're preventing people from going to heaven. And they're trying to stop the gospel from getting out. They are siding with the devil and his angels who want to stop the gospel from being spread. Hatred of Christians. 
despisers of those that are good. Okay, let's go on to verse 4 real quick. Traitors. And I'm not going to go through the whole chapter, so don't worry. This isn't going to be an hour and a half sermon. Okay, verse 4. Traitors. Betrayers of trust. We already talked about them. One who violates his allegiance or betrays his country. Second Amendment. Taking away the guns is a violation of the... Of a, of, a, of a treaty, the Constitution, a contract between citizens and government, another area. Verse number four, heady. What's heady mean? Okay. Um, heady means those who act rashly without thought or without deliberation. They act quick, rashly. Oh, look, make a decision. Got to do something. Okay, we'll do this. They act rashly without thinking it through. Hey, that's exactly what happened in 9-11, after 9-11 with the Patriot Act. I keep talking about that, but hey, uh, Nancy Pelosi, when they had the, po- the uh, uh, Patriot, Act, Patriot Act they wanted passed, what did she say? Uh, we have to pass the bill so you can find out what's in it. That's what she said. Well, come on, that's the most heady thing I can think of. Pass the bill so we can, well, we've got to act quick. But you know what you're passing? No, but we've got to do it. They don't even think through things. They're heady. That's a sign of the times. That's what people are doing right today. The Patriot Act was passed right away. Huge bill, stacked like that high. There's no way they gave them a, few day, a couple days or so to, to look through it. There's no way somebody could read through all that in two days or whatever it was, okay, the short time that they gave them. Hey, they act rashly and without thought or deliberation. They don't care. They just want to do something. Same thing happened, hey, yeah, the knee-jerk reaction to the, what happened in Florida recently. The knee-jerk anti-gunners. What they say? We have politicians that are heady. They're rash. They're acting rashly without thought. They kept saying, "We got to do something now. We can't wait no longer. We got to do something now." Okay. You want to think through this? No, no, no. We need to do something now. Well, we have to have a discussion. You know what? what what's the best way to handle violence in the public school? No, we need to ban all the guns now. Okay. These people are acting heady without. Being thoughtful without thinking things through. Sign of the times. Okay? Sign of the times. They're not thinking. They're not willing to take the time to think things through logically. It's satanic. They're doing it. Watch out for that. It's coming. Don't be offended because it happens. Don't get, don't get all bent out of shape. I can't even watch the news anymore. It, it drives me up a wall. You know, because, you, you know, you, you're being, it, it vexes me. Okay? It vexes me to no end. I want to scream at the television. So I don't even watch nightly news anymore. Okay? You know, I used to watch ABC or CBS, NBC and you know, even Fox News. You know? I mean, it's all a bunch of baloney. And it's nothing but the world presenting everything that I'm listing in this chapter to you and hoping that it rubs off on you. It's, that's the devil. Okay? The devil's in charge of all that stuff. Don't let the devil affect you. Don't let the devil vex you. Watch it. Be careful. Don't get offended. Keep yourself in the Word of God. Okay? Be careful. All right. Verse 4, real quick. High-minded, proud, and arrogant. Hey, this is, this is like Donald Trump and the majority of politicians. You know, Donald Trump has got this stupid pose. You ever watch him? He's like, he's like Mussolini. You ever that, that picture, that movie of Mussolini, you know, who's this proud, arrogant dictator in, in Italy? He's just there, yeah, like, um, yeah. that's the way Donald, that's our leader, that's our president. Yeah, he's a Republican. Yeah, he does this and that. And, but in, in his heart, he's a liberal, liberal uh, New York politician. You know, He does things because of expediency more than anything else. It's not because he he's, has any convictions. 
It's not because he believes in the Constitution or the, the rights of human beings. It's because he just does whatever needs to be get done to get the job done, no matter what. Even if it's the wrong thing, even if it's evil, as long as it gets the job done in his mind, he's for that. You know, he showed that this week, by the way, when he said that guns should be taken away from people and then we'll work on the due process after the fact. Okay, that's evil. That's, that's not right. Okay, that's our president. So if our president's like that, what in the world? The rest of the country's going to be like that too. Okay, watch it. These people are heady and they're high-minded. Okay, verse 4. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Societies is full of these type of people. Lovers of pleasures. Fun center churches. You know, churches don't preach the gospel anymore. They don't preach the Bible. They don't preach standards, convictions, anything like that. There are these drama churches that, have, that entertain people. They have a Starbucks, of course, in there. You know, you've got to have coffee. You know, that's the only one thing I wish I w- we had in here. But, you know, we've we got a coffee machine, at least. But we want to have a store in our church. Okay. They have plenty of programs for kids and adult groups. People that visit here, well, what programs do you have at your church? Do you have programs for kids? You know, what about the adult? Do you have teen programs? Do you have uh, uh, programs for the... The, uh, you know, the older, older people in your church and the married people and the single people? Do you have a dating group? In your, do you have this program? Do you have that program? Do you have fun things, activities for the kids and all that? Yes, we sure do. You know what it's called? Sunday morning at 11 o'clock service. Sunday night at, 11 p- at, at, at 6 p.m. Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Three main, main programs that we got. Yeah, we have other things too, but we don't concentrate on the pleasure things. Okay, yeah, we have fun. Hey, you know what? This is fun. It's fun to do what God wants you to do. You know what? If you do what God created you to do, you'd have fun. Forget the pleasures of the world. Forget going to stupid Hollywood movies all the time. Forget, uh, you know, all the sports games and all the video games and all the Facebook stuff and all that. Forget about that stuff. That's not what creates fun. Fun is doing what God wants you to do. And you'll have fun doing it. I'm telling you. I'm having I'm fun. Okay. I don't care. <laughs> fun center churches. Don't be like that. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. You need to love what God loves. Okay. First uh, Corinthians one twenty one says, God says it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them which believe. That's the main program here, the preaching. Okay, if you're not here three times a week listening to Pastor Tommy, there's no way you're going to have fun by trying to please God. You you got to be here to listen to the word being preached. You got to stay in your Bible. You got to do those things. You have to do what God wants you to do. The foolishness of preaching is what gets people saved, and that's where the programs are. That's where the real program is. Get on board. Come here every service. Every time that door's open, be here. Now, I, I, I'm preaching to myself of a few years ago because a few years ago. I didn't do that. You know, I didn't come to church every week, you know, because of things that happened in our old church and things like that. I got disgruntled. I got offended because of things that were happening. I got offended. So I said, I, I chucked it. I said, forget it. Asked my wife. <laughs> done there, done that. I said, forget it because of all the things that were happening. Don't be offended like I was. I finally figured out that, hey, you know what? What they've, what they've been hearing and preaching, that you should be in church every time the doors are open. That's true. It's true. And you know what? I love coming to church now. I really do. I thought I'd never say that. I thought I'd never say that, but I am. Hey, doing what God wants you to do 
will eventually bring joy in your life. It will. Simple as that. You want to have fun? Do what God says in the Bible. Okay? Simple as that. Okay. I already covered that. Already covered that. Already covered that. Okay, verse 5. Have a form of godliness, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And I got a quick quick hurry here. Denying the power thereof. Okay? Hey, what about these TV preachers, these television evangelists? Some of you are watching all those TV evangelists on television. People like, uh, here, Pat Robertson, Joel Osteen, T.D. Jakes, is that what it is? Benny Hinn, John Heggie, Creflo Dollar, Jim Baker, Jimmy Swagger, Kenneth Copeland, all those TV preachers and many more. You know what? They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. What do I mean by that? What What does it mean to deny the power thereof? Where's the power in a Christian life? Where, where, where does that power come from? Okay, let's go to the Bible. Let's see what the Bible says. Okay, Here, there's one thing these preachers have in common, and most of them have in common. They all use modern English Bible versions. They don't use the King James Bible. They'll use the NIV or the ESV and others. They don't use the King James Bible. The Bible says that they deny the power thereof. Where's the, where's the power? The power is in this book. The power is in the Word of God. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick, that means it's alive, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. The power is in the word of God. They don't use the King James Bible, these TV preachers. That's where the power comes from. Then they're a false prophet, plain and simple. They're not preaching God's word. How do you tell a false prophet? Well, if they don't preach God's word, they're a false prophet. Watch those preachers. They're not using, they might use the new King James. That's not the word of God. This King James Bible, God has preserved this book for us. This is a very special book. You know what? All these, my last sermon I talked about preparation or being a tribulation pepper, prepping for the tribulation. You know what I'm doing also? I'm stocking up on Bibles. Ask my wife, how many Bibles do I got at home? I'm buying Bibles. Hey, it's a buyer's market right now. The time's going to come when it's a seller's market. People will, the government could outlaw this book eventually. Prevent people from printing it. And definitely the devil's going to be against people from printing it. Okay? I'm stocking up on Bibles. Why? Because this is a very precious book. This is God's Word. This King James Bible in the English language is God's Word. It's the pure Word of God. It's the one, it's the one version that hasn't been tampered with, hasn't been, hasn't been corrupted. Get yourself a King James Bible. Treasure it, okay? I, I'd, if I, if I, I tell you what, if I had, you know, two things. If I were stuck on a desert island sometime, somewhere, okay, and I had to bring two things with me, I'd bring my Grandsforce Brooks axe, which I love, because <laughs> it's just a good axe for survival. But more importantly, I'd bring a copy of the King James Bible with me. Simple. This, this, this book is more valuable to me than any possession I have. If you told me tomorrow that you can't have a King James Bible, I'd, I'd probably blow my, blow my brains out. You've got to have the Word of God. This is important. Those TV preachers are not using the real Bible. They're using perverted Bibles. Be careful of them. Don't listen to them. You need to come to a church that preaches the King James Bible and listen to that. The power is in the Word of God. Watch it. Okay. Hey, now... Women, listen up just real quick here. You're more susceptible to those false prophets on television than men are. That's just a fact. 
Okay? Don't, I'm, not, I'm not being down on women. I'm not being, what's the word they use? Misogynistic or whatever. <laughs> I don't even know those big words. But, but listen, women, be careful. You know what? In the Garden of Eden, Eden um, the Bible says, wherefore sin, uh, uh, what's the verse? Sin, uh, where, man, oh, I can't think. Adam was the first one to sin, okay? It doesn't say Eve was. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. That's the verse, thank you. Okay, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. It doesn't say one woman. No, it was, Eve was not the first one to sin. She was deceived by the devil into thinking that that forbidden fruit was good and would get her closer to God. Okay? The devil deceived her. She did it because she was deceived. She didn't do it out of outright rebellion. But Adam, knowing, because God told him, don't eat of that fruit. Adam is the one that sinned first. He, she gave the fruit to him and he ate of it, knowing that it was wrong. He was the first one to sin. Women, naturally, be careful. Okay, not all women. I'm just saying in general, women have to be careful because you're more easily to fall for a false prophet. Men, in general, uh, can see through some of that stuff a little bit easier. Okay? Now, you can learn, by you staying in this Bible, you can become, you can, you can inoculate yourself against that stuff. But naturally speaking, men are a little bit better at spying out false prophets. And you say, hey, that sounds pretty misogynistic or whatever that word is. Okay. Well, if, if so, then God is misogynistic. Okay. Because, look, in verse 6 and 7 it says, For of this sort they are they which creep into houses and lead captives, silly women, laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning, and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Silly women creep into houses. Hey, what about things that creep into your house? What about your television set? That's the primary thing where things creep into your house. Watch that television set, okay? These preachers are coming over that set. You're listening to him thinking, oh, he's so, you know, he's so smart and he's so good looking and he can't be wrong. He's all these things. Hey, watch it. Be careful. Turn away from them, the Bible says. In verses 8 and 9, now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, they do also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further and their folly shall be manifest to all men as was theirs also. These are false prophets that, that tried to do the miracles that Moses did, but they were fake. They were fake, okay? There's always going to be people like that. Watch out for them, okay? Just like those magicians were exposing, uh, were exposed, the false prophets and fake TV evangelists will eventually be manifested. They'll be exposed to all men. Turn away from that. Now, verse 10 and 11, God will get you safely through the persecution. This talks about Paul in here. Paul experienced some things, persecutions and affliction, but God did not take away those things from him. God rather let Paul go through those persecutions and after the persecutions delivered Paul from the clutches of those persecutions. Now, verse 12 says, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you live godly, you will suffer persecution. No doubt about it, if you live a godly life, you're going to see some of this persecution. Verse 13, Evil men and seducers shall ask worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Perilous times shall come. Now, in closing, are you, are you ready for those perilous times? Have you inoculated yourself to those perilous times? Don't let these things affect you. Are you ready? Are you prepared? What should we do to prepare? 
What should we do? Well, Paul tells Timothy right here in verse 14. He said, look, Timothy, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. Continue thou in the things thou hast learned and been assured of. In verse 14. Nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. There's no magic pill you can take to inoculate yourself from these things. Hey, listen up here in the last two minutes. Listen. Listen. It's easy to inoculate yourself. What do you do? What do you do? Paul doesn't say, look for some new thing. No, he says, concentrate on the basics. Continue in what you've learned. The basics, what are they? Well, you know them already. You know them already. You just need to do them. Number one, read your Bible. Verses 16 through 17. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Read your Bible. Number one. Number two, pray. Ephesians 2, Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance, perseverance and supplication for all saints. Read your Bible. Pray. Simple stuff. Do the things you've learned, Paul said to Timothy. Number three, soul winning. Proverbs 11.30. He that winneth souls is wise. He that winneth souls, like we taught in Sunday school. You need to do that. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Soul winning. Do that too. Read your Bible. Pray. Go soul winning. Church attendance is the fourth thing. Church attendance. Hebrews 10, uh, 25. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as ye see the day approaching. As you see these end times approach, these last days, get in church. My goodness. You know, it's free for you to come here other than paying for gas. Thank God they don't charge for it. Amen? You should pay your tithe, obviously. But, but yeah, you, it doesn't, you, you have no excuse. You have no excuse. If you want to go to church... God will make a way for you to get here. You just need to take advantage of it. So, read your Bible, pray, go soul winning, go to church, and last, live a separated life. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 16 says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. God does not want you to get influenced by these negative things, by these things that could vex you and make you unproductive. God doesn't want you to get involved with that stuff. Stay in this book. Stay in the book. Stay in the book. Read your Bible. Pray. Go soul winning. Go to church. Stay away from all the wicked stuff that's going on in this world. God wants you to do that. It's important to know that what's in, what we're in store for. That's the first, going back to verse 1. This, no, also. This, no. God wants you to know these things. Why? Because of the very things we've been talking about. Don't get offended. Don't get offended. We need to know these things so we won't be negatively influenced. Do those things. We need to do them. If you don't do them, you're going to fail. You're going to go through the tribulation period and you're going to be lost. You're going to be not lost or star salvation. You're still going to go to heaven, but you're going to be un unfruitful, unproductive. Fasten your seatbelts, folks. It's moving fast. Fasten your seatbelts. Please, I beg you, do what God said. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Pray. Stay in church. Go soul winning. Don't get involved with all the evil that's going on in this world. God loves you. And I'm telling you, you'll have a fun time. I'm excited about the tribulation period. Because it's going to be the greatest time on earth. It's going to be full of risk and danger. But fasten your seatbelts. I know who the pilot is. He's on your side. He loves you. And he wants you to have a good time when you're serving him too. Because... because 
that's really where the only true joy comes from is serving God. So let's do it, okay? Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for your word. I'm sorry it took so long today, but I pray that you'll help us to do what you want us to do, more so as we see the day approaching. Please help us now. In Jesus' name, amen.